Welcome. You are listening to sermon audio from Day 3 Church in Granite Falls, North Carolina. We invite you to join us online or in person for one of our services. For more information about our church, please visit day3church.org. Day 3 Church, experience a new day in your life. And we have today and next week, and then we'll uh, be out of the book of Romans. It's been a long journey, but it's been an important journey because the things that, that God sent us through the Apostle Paul are very, very important things for us to be aware of. And uh, as believers, for us to know why we believe what we believe. Last week as we started uh, chapter 16... It, from verse 1 through 16, Paul gives us a list of names. And initially, you might kind of look at that and think, what's that about? Or it's kind of boring in light of everything else he had written about for him just to give us a list of names. But it's really an important list because in that list of names, he gives us a roll call of servants, people who have been faithful servants to, to Christ. And then when he comes to the verses that we're going to look at today, verse 17 and 20, I think more or less Paul is telling us that as servants, as people who are following Jesus and serving him, we need to be on watch or we need to be on guard. Look at these words that he writes in in verse 17 through 20. I appeal to you brothers to watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you've been taught. Avoid them. For such persons do not serve our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. And by smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the hearts of the naive. For your obedience is known to all, so that I rejoice over you. But I want you to be wise as to what is good and innocent as to what is evil. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Now, the message that he gives us here is to the church, but I'm going to give it a kind of a double application because of it being Father's Day. Because as fathers, we also need to be on watch. So we're going to do something a little bit different. I'm going to invite some fathers, some friends of mine, to come join me on stage and, and we have started a new men's group at Day 3 Church. So if you would give these guys a hand as they come out to join me for a minute. <laughs> I, need to, uh, I need to finish suiting up so I'll be like them. You might think, what in the world are we doing? Well, t- today I, w- I want to introduce to you, like I said, a new a new men's group. And, and the name of this men's group is this. We are Dads Against Daughters Dating. Amen? <laughs> we are a militia against daughters dating. John decided to join us all of a sudden. <laughs> so I won't repeat because I think this name is important. I want you men to get it. Because in a few moments, when we're out in the lobby after the service, we're going to set up a recruiting booth. We are the dads against 
Daughters dating. And all the men said? Amen. 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 That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> we have, uh, we put this group together for one reason, kind of in honor of my son-in-law and my daughter because they have a granddaughter on the way. So, you know, we're going to kind of recognize, recognize that. And <laughs> I didn't know you had it in you, man. <laughs> and also when we're outside and we have the recruiting booth just in case you need some help any of you men we're willing for a small fee to show you how to clean your gun when young boys come around wanting to date your daughter how to counsel with them how to roll the cylinder look at them as you talk to them before they're allowed to take your daughter out on a Date. Amen, men? Amen. Amen. What else can we do for them? <laughs> we'll be willing to take any boys. That's what the little B boys out in the woods and teaching them what hunting, killing stuff means. So they'll get the message that we don't miss. <laughs> Remember, watching all of you too. <laughs> we'll all be watching you. Can you see out of that? What? <laughs> These guys are going to be here during the first point of the sermon, part of the first point, because you'll maybe understand why we got into this and why I went crazy and decided to do this today on Father's Day. I'm going to get rid of that before I accidentally point it to somebody. I promise they're unloaded. Don't go off scared and uh, everything like that. I also know where the shells are, okay? But... Uh, Paul, as he writes the words that we read a moment ago, there are kind of three main things I want us to get out of today. And the first one is, is simply this. We, we need to watch as believers, as followers of Christ, we need to watch and we need to avoid troublemakers in the church. Now, you might be wondering, how in the world does that apply to Father's Day? Well, I think as fathers, we need to be on watch for our families. We need to be on watch for our daughters and, and, and for our, our children if you need us, we're available, but we need to be on watch. Notice what Paul wrote here. He said, I appeal to you, brothers, to watch out for those that cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you've been taught. And he says to avoid them. Some of the words that he used here in, in, the, in the original Greek New Testament give reason to why we are doing what we're doing this morning. Paul's kind of like a lawyer. He's making an appeal. The, the term in the Greek is actually a legal term to where he's calling here or exhorting. Or he's, it's like he's a, a lawyer standing by giving his final argument. So he's given us all this great truth in the book of Romans, and now he's bringing the book to a close, and he kind of makes a final argument, letting us know that we need to watch for people that cause division and watch and be on guard against people teaching false doctrine. He, he used some words here. He says to, to watch out or mark is what the, the original King James says. That we're to kindly mark someone that's a troublemaker. That we're to watch out. We're to scope them out. We get our English word scope from the Greek word. We're, we're to take aim at. That's why we showed up with guns, guys. 
We're to, we're to spy, we're, we're to consider, regard, take heed, or mark. The, the root word means to peer about as a skeptic. See, it, sometimes it's okay to be skeptical. As, as dads, we need to be skeptical sometimes when, when these guys first start showing up wanting to date our daughters. I was skeptical of him for a while, you know? <laughs> we need to be skeptical of maybe who our, our sons hang out with. We, we need to be on guard for our, for our families, on guard for our, for our daughters, for our wives. We need to be skeptical about some people. Don't just let anyone come. I, I remember hearing uh, Tony Evans uh, one time on a Father's Day message that I was listening to on the radio. And he, he held up a set of keys as he was preaching on Father's Day that day. And he, and he said this. He, he, he said, how many of you would give the keys to your car to a complete stranger and let them drive off with your car? And he said, the point is, n- none of you pretty much would do that. And yet some of you let some guy pull up in your driveway, blow the horn, and let your most prized possession, your daughter, go out and get in a car and drive off, not even knowing who he is. That didn't happen at the Parsons' house. They had to be interviewed by me. They had to be questioned about their salvation. They had to be threatened to look at my gun collection sometimes. But I'm just saying that's the way we need to be. We need to be on guard for our families, on guard for our, for our children. It even has the idea of concealment, like you're trying to kind of spy on someone. And that come up with a camouflage because we need to be willing to spy and, and guard our families. To be like a sentry or a scout standing on the wall of a city, Shouting out and letting them know as a watchman on the wall that danger is approaching. That's the way that we as dads need to be for our families. He said we need to guard because there are people that want to cause dissension or division or disunity. The, the root word that it comes from means a double standing in it or twice standing as, as though it's talking about an uprising or, or a controversy. And regrettably, there are people like that. There are people that just want to cause division or controversies. There are people that will go from church to church to church just trying to cause trouble. There are people that will try and cause division in your home and in your family. And, and as dads, we need to be on guard for that. As a church, we need to be on guard for that. He told us also to to watch out for anyone that wants to create obstacles. And we get our word scandal from that Greek word. And and what the word was used for was to refer to a trap or or a trigger or a snare that would catch the animal when it played around too much in in, in the trap. We, We need to be on guard because there are people that are making doctrinal traps. There are people who are ensnaring others with false doctrine instead of what the Bible really has to say. And we need to be on guard against that. We need to be on guard as, as dads for anyone that wanted to divide our family. But as dads, we also need to be on guard for anyone that wants to creep in and give false doctrine to our children or to our wives and hurt our family with false doctrine. He said, be careful of anyone that does that, that gives anything obstacle, any kind of obstacle against the doctrine. Paul is saying that I have talked to you, even says to avoid them and stay away from, from them. So that was a Father's Day application. But you see, he's not, he's not writing to fathers. He's writing 
to the church. So I'm going to let these guys go because we're going to talk about the church more than we talk about fathers today. And uh, Mike, I'll be okay. If I need you, I'll call you back. Okay. But he's writing to the church. And Paul is telling the church that we need to be on guard. We need to be on guard regrettably because there are people that will do exactly what he's talking about. There are people who will show up just to cause controversy or problems or division in a church. To use the word scope, you know, we, we need to scope out. We need to watch out for someone that is only a troublemaker. And we need to avoid that in the church because having controversy and trouble and division and strife hinders the gospel. It hinders there being an environment where the laws can be reached. That's why the church needs to be on guard. We need to be on guard against anyone that just wants to come around and cause disunity or disharmony. Someone that's just about causing trouble. As you see, and also Paul writes this in 1 Thessalonians. He says, we ask you brothers to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you. And to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. And then he says, be at peace among yourselves. Instead of us having gossip and people talking about people and putting people down. Our, our goal shouldn't be that. Our, our goal is to respect each other and to build each other up. Our goal is that, that we have peace among ourselves so we can serve Jesus more effectively and the gospel can go forth instead of being a place that's just known for division and, and strife and, and, and heartache. And that happens sometimes with railway churches. We also need to be on guard and we need to scope out those that create obstacles or traps that keep people away from the true gospel. See, that's what Paul was talking about when, when Paul said to watch out for those that create obstacles. There are people who teach things that aren't really the doctrine of the Bible. There, there are people that that if you listen to what they say, you would think somehow, even though Jesus died on the cross, somehow you surely must have to work your own way to heaven. There are regrettably churches and people who will come up with, with a bunch of man-made rules that you can't fully support with the Bible, and those man-made rules will be an obstacle to keep somebody from Jesus. And Paul is warning us after he gives us all this doctrine about Faith and grace and, and, and the things he's written about in Romans, he's warning us that we need to be careful of someone that wants to put up a wall, an obstacle that keeps people away from Jesus. And the thing that breaks my heart is this. As the church, I'm not talking about this church, I'm talking about churches in general. As the church, sometimes we've been very good at coming up with a bunch of man-made rules that's like a wall that keeps somebody from Jesus. We're not supposed to be keeping people from Jesus. We're supposed to get people to Jesus. Instead of having our, you know, the things that we are so dogmatic about that we're going to hold to no matter what. Now, I'm going to qualify that. You guys understand that I'm conservative theologically. I believe everything this Bible has to say. The problem is people add to what this has to say. 
And they'll make man-made rules more important than what the gospel is. And that keeps people from Jesus. And that's what we have to guard against. What was the doctrine that Paul had taught? If he tells us we need to avoid people that put up these obstacles that are contrary to the doctrine, what doctrine did he teach? Well, let's do an overview of what we've learned in Romans. He tells us, first of all, that we are all sinners. Every one of us. All of us have sinned. All of us fall short of God's glory. Everybody. Me, Billy Graham, everybody, all of us have sinned and fall short. But Paul also tells us this in the book of Romans. He tells us that we cannot save ourselves because salvation is not based upon our works, our own personal goodness. It's not based upon some kind of religious ritual. Salvation is this. Salvation is a free gift that God gives us by his grace when we exercise faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. That's where salvation comes from. Jesus paid the full price for my sin and for your sin. And that's where we receive salvation. We admit that we're sinners and we can't save ourselves. And we understand that it is a free gift. Jesus died to pay everything for us. And he took his life back up to prove that he had won the victory over our sins. That he had paid everything necessary. Paul wrote these words. For by... The works of the law. No human being will be justified. Nobody will be made right before God by just trying to have good works. He says, since through the law comes the knowledge of sin. The the law never was given to save. The law was always put there to show us how far short we fall. In Romans 3, where we read a moment ago, it says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But keep reading and see what else it says. And are justified... We're made just like we've never sinned by his grace, by his undeserved merit as a gift, not something that you earn, through the redemption, through the price that Jesus paid on the cross for our sins. In chapter 6, verse 23, it says the wages of sin is death, but the free gift, the free gift that God wants to give us is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. That's the doctrine that Paul teaches and if we're not careful as churches, we'll put up obstacles to that. He also tells us this. Being saved by grace is not a license to live a sinful life. Because this can run rampant in people's lives, and it is in our culture today, I think. Some people will think, I've believed in Jesus. I know I'm on my way to heaven. Now I'll live however I want to live. But that's not what the Bible teaches Paul wrote this in Romans chapter 6. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? He says, do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness. In other words, quit giving your body over to sin and to serve Satan and to serve unrighteousness. But instead, here's what we need to do as believers. We need to present ourselves to God so that... Those who have been brought from death to life in, in, in your members to God as instruments for righteousness. Once we receive Christ, it's like this. We quit serving sin and our goal is now to serve Jesus. And we don't do that in order that we can be saved. We do it because we're saved. I'll say more about that in a moment. Paul also writes this to us. God through faith in Jesus sanctifies us. In other words, he sets us apart. 
The moment we receive Christ as Savior. You've heard me talk about this almost every week in the introduction. I give you a, kind of a quick overview of what Romans says. And you might be sick of hearing it, but I'll be honest with you, I can never ever get sick of hearing that I'm a sinner that can be saved by grace and God sets me apart to himself and I'm part of his family. I can't get tired of that. That's what we need to understand that the Bible teaches We're sinners that can only be saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. And God sets us apart unto himself. In Romans 8, 1, there's therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. In Romans 8, verse 15, he said, You did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you've received the spirit of adoption as sons to whom we cry, Abba, Father. Because of our faith in Jesus, we're changed and God becomes our Father. And we're birthed into the very family of God. God. God sets us apart into his family. He continues to write and he says, for I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor death nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. And every child of God ought to say amen to that. Thank God there's nothing that can separate us from Jesus. That's the doctrine that Paul writes about. That's what he's saying, avoid people that teach you anything other than that. He also tells us this. He told us in Romans that God is a sovereign God. God is in total control. And God always keeps his promises. Paul writes, inspired of God, and he says, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy. I will have compassion. God is saying, I'll have compassion on whom I'll have compassion. So then it depends not on human will or exertion, but on God who has mercy. God's a sovereign God who sovereignly chooses to extend mercy to us. In Romans 10, he says, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. What does it say? You what? What does it say? You It don't say possibly or might or maybe. He promises us that when we repent of our sins and we believe in Christ, he promises us that we will be saved. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is the Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, he says you will be saved. For everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord, what does it say? Will be saved. And in light of all that, here's why he closes out. This epistle, he says this to us next. As a result of all those things, we ought to serve God. As a result of being sinners who cannot save themselves. As a result of God saving you by his amazing grace through faith in Jesus Christ. Not something you deserve or earn, but as a free gift out of his grace. As a result of God setting you apart into his family, as a result of God being a sovereign God that always keeps his promises, as a result of all those things, we ought to serve him. You don't serve him in order to be saved. That's where we get it messed up. A lot of people get the mentality or present it in such a way that it sounds like you have to serve God in order to be saved. No, that's not it. The truth of the matter is this. We serve God because we're saved. As a result of everything that Christ has done for us, that's why we serve him. And that's why Paul started this whole section of Romans back in chapter 12. And he says, I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. 
Paul is telling us that we need to be servants on watch. We need to watch out for people that want to cause divisions and strife. We, we need to watch out for people that teaches false doctrine, that departs from the doctrine that Paul has taught in the book of Romans. We need to watch out for people that's creating obstacles that keep people away from Jesus because the gospel is to bring people to Jesus. Second thing I want you to get this morning is this. I think Paul also tells us as we're being servants on watch, we need to evaluate the true motives of people in church. He said for such persons, the ones we just talked about, those that want to cause division, those that are teaching false doctrine, for such persons do not serve. In the Greek, when he says do not serve, the, the, the Greek word that he uses means absolutely they do not serve. In other words, Paul is saying in no way or any fashion are people really serving Christ who are teaching false doctrine and who just go about trying to cause division. He said they're not serving Christ by doing that. For such persons do not, absolutely do not serve our Lord Christ, but instead they're serving their own appetites. The word that he uses for serve here means a bond slave, to be in bondage. So Paul's giving us this picture. Some people are in bondage to their own desires, to their own appetites. Instead of being in bondage to Jesus, that's what we ought to be as believers. We're to be his servants, his slaves, but instead they're people who are in bondage to their own bellies. And by that phrase, or their own appetites that Paul uses here, by that phrase he's saying there's this emptiness inside of someone and they're trying to fill it with their desires instead of God's desires. We need to be careful and we need to evaluate the true motives of people. Because some people are not really about serving Jesus. They're about getting what they want. They're about getting their own desires. And by smooth talk and flattery, by talking slick and smooth, they deceive naive people that don't know any better. Soon as maybe Paul is telling us this, you and I, maybe we need to look in the mirror every now and then and say, am I, am I about what Jesus wants or am I about what I want? And, and maybe we need to be on guard in our churches and evaluate the true motives of people and ask ourselves, is that person really serving because they want to worship Jesus and they want to magnify him or are they doing it because they want people to think well of them and they're serving their own appetites, their own desires? We need to be on, on guard about the true motives of people that come, try to come into our families. The true motives of people of guys that, that you know, show up wanting to date our daughters or people that, the true motives of people that, that want to be friends of our sons. But as a church, as believers, we need to be on guard about the true motives of people in church. And the last thing, I want you to see this morning is this. We need to serve God and crush Satan. Because Paul writes these words, For your obedience is known to all, so that I rejoice over you. But I want you to be wise as to what is good and innocent, as to what is evil. The God of peace will soon crush Satan 
under your feet. Will you notice how that's phrased for a moment? I'll say more about it in a minute. But as I'm reading it, I want you to notice how that's phrased. What does it say? Who's doing the crushing? God is, right? That's what he says. The, you know, our God will soon crush Satan, but whose feet is he doing it under? Man. Paul writes to these Roman believers and he said that God will soon crush Satan underneath your feet. And God has retained that in the canon of scriptures for us to read and apply to our lives. God is the one that does the crushing. We can't do it. But he says the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. And then he says the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. I want to break that down just for a second and then we'll be done. How can we better crush Satan? First of all, we need to serve God obediently. We need to serve God obediently. He said, for your obedience is known to all. The word that he uses for obedience means to put, your underneath, put yourself underneath what God said. Is basically what it means. We, we need to have an attentive listening, an attentive hearkening, an attentive ears that hear and do what we're told. I've met people before that can quote this frontwards and backwards, but they don't have this much of the love of God in their lives. It, this is about more than being able to quote it in your head. It needs to impact our lives. So he, so he tells us that we need to hear underneath what God has said. And, and, he, and he, tells, he, he tells his Roman believers that your obedience is known to all. And the word even means to spread like a rumor. Man, wouldn't that be great if that would be the rumor that gets out about churches, wouldn't it? I mean, really, think about it. You know what rumor normally gets out? The bad stuff, right? Am I telling the truth? If someone messes up, someone makes a mistake, or a church has trouble, that will get on the grapevine on the phones and be all across the community before you can even have supper that evening. That's, that's the way that rumors spread. But, but Paul is saying to these Roman believers, your obedience is known to all. In other words, what has spread abroad was the fact that they served Jesus and they loved Jesus and they obeyed Jesus. I would to God, that would be the rumor that would get out in the community about our churches. Amen? That's the kind of rumor we need to hear. He also tells us this, that we can better serve God in a way that crushes Satan by serving God in such a way that causes other people to rejoice. Paul says, so that I rejoice over you. Paul was rejoicing. He was praising God. He was happy. He was thrilled that these Roman believers were so serving Christ. And think about that. By the way we serve Jesus, we can actually cause joy and rejoicing and worship in somebody else's heart. And then he tells us this. Paul says that I want you to be wise as to what is good and innocent as to what is evil. We will do a better job crushing the head of Satan as being the servants that God wants us to be if we will understand what's good and beneficial and practice that in our lives. And if we will be on guard against what is, what is harmful, what is worthless, he said, I want you to be innocent of what is evil. The word means unmixed or, or innocent. 
Don't be mixing in the bad stuff and, and causing that to, to harm your testimony. He said, know what's good and practice that and avoid what's evil is basically what he's saying. And then I want you to notice what the future is. Here's a future result of us being people that serve God. He said, the God of peace, the God that joins together, is what the word means. What was separated. When I received Christ as my Savior, God joined me together with Him. Because I once was separated by my sin. The God that joins together what is separated will soon, a fixed position, a set time that God has for this to happen, will soon crush, completely shatter, completely crush Satan, the accuser, underneath our feet. Some theologians believe that there are pictures of that happening in the Old Testament. There were times that heathen kings had been defeated. And the heathen kings would be brought out and be made to lay down before God's people. And God's people would all walk by and put their foot on the neck of that king in sign of ultimate victory over him. Paul writes these words in the New Testament. And many Bible scholars and theologians believe that there is coming a time in the future when God has fully crushed Satan, that we as his people would get a chance to put our foot on his neck. Guys, I don't know about you, but I look forward to that. You want to know why? Because he's caused me some trouble in my life. Has he caused you trouble in your life? Today's Father's Day. What about it, fathers? Has Satan not caused you a little bit of trouble in your life? Wouldn't you like to be over and done with him forever? There's coming a day that will happen. There's coming a day that God will fully crush him under our feet. And that language for me is reminiscent of Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15. In a prophecy about Jesus that you'll see depicted in this video clip. Yes, amen, huh? I love that. Because Jesus did that at the cross, and Jesus did that when he got up out of the tomb. And Satan's already fully defeated. He just doesn't act like it yet. But there's coming a day that he will be fully crushed and fully gone. The clip from the Passion of the Christ. Most of you might have had a chance to see the movie. There's coming a day that I won't have to worry about Satan anymore. Paul closed out by saying, The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Literally means the grace of Jesus accompany you. Wherever you go, His grace is with you. So on this Father's Day, can I ask you a question? Is that true of you, Dad? Have you received Christ as your Savior? Wherever you go, do you know the grace of God's with you? And Dad's on this Father's Day, can I ask you if you've been being on watch for your children, on watch for your wife, on watch for your family?
And what about at church? Have, have we been on watch as we should be? On guard against someone that wants just to come in and cause trouble and division? Are we on guard against those that want to create obstacles against the gospel that keep people from Jesus? And what we need to do is serve Him together. Let's pray. Our Father, God, I thank you that we can call you Father today, those of us that have trusted Christ. God, I thank you that my friend Josh is having perfect Father's Day with you. And Father, I pray for people here, especially men, on this Father's Day, if there's anyone that doesn't know Christ, they just speak to their heart. You'd help them to see that all of us are sinners. We can't save ourselves. Jesus did everything necessary on the cross that through faith in Him, we can receive your mercy and your grace. Have our lives changed now and for eternity. Father, I pray you help us as men, as dads, to be on watch for our families. Help us as a church to be on watch, on guard, against anything that could keep people from Jesus. Take this time and use it to draw people to yourself. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. During this invitation song, God may speak to your heart as a, as a dad today. Maybe you just need to come and pray for your family. Pray you can be a better dad. Or possibly you've never received Christ. And it'd be a pretty good day on Father's Day to let Him change your life to where you can be the best dad you could possibly be. But the invitation is not just open to the men and to dads. The invitation is open to all of us because our only hope is Jesus. And if you don't know Him, I invite you to come during this invitation. Thanks for listening to this sermon audio production from Day 3 Church. We pray that it has ministered to you. For more information about our location, service times, or other sermon podcasts, please visit us online at day3church.org. Day 3 Church, experience a new day in your life.